Hey, so we just got done talking to Austin Hill, solid individual, very humble, very passionate. He's a dedicated infantryman uh, who loves his craft, and he understands the the importance of the skills that we are developing here on the shooting team and how they pertain to the rest of the fleet Marine force. Um, Frank, what, what do you got with this? Yeah. What stood out to me was very articulate. Like you said, very passionate, uh, multi-talented. So his bread and butter is bullseye rifle, but he was, if not for Chris Scott's uh, rampage during this last championships, he probably would have had that Walkheimer. So he's also done pretty well on the action side of things as well. Extremely uh, into everything shooting related and very coachable. I remember back in 2021 um, that him and the Paris Island shooting team were trying to figure out action shooting. They took a lot of the things that I took them. I told them back then because uh, we were in the same hut back at Camp Upshur. Uh, took them to heart and obviously improved there. And I think he's going to be a tremendous asset to the shooting team for the foreseeable future. Well, what I got to say is like last year was realistically his first run uh, in competitive shooting sports. He was relatively new at it. He medaled, he came to championships and then here he is at the shooting team. Um, and he's just making that difference. You know, like you said, he, he almost, he, he, he silver Lockheimer. Uh, that is a very unmeasurable amount of improvement in such a short period of time, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Considering that he was still on the Paris Island shooting team for that last year. And now he's on the actual proper shooting team. Yeah. I'm excited to see his trajectory over the next few years. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those guys, uh, so one of the things that we kind of talked about for a while, like uh, the type of people that we want to recruit is people that already have a high level of skill. Like we, like we always mention, there's that good dude factor and having the character, but we also want to recruit, you know, capable and competent shooters. And it just goes to show like we are, we are, I don't ever want to say we're there, but we are there. Like, you know, between Sam Nelson, uh, you know, Josh Cardenas, you know, Austin Hill, you know, uh, they're coming in at a very high level. You know, Cardenas and, and, and Nelson are what, masterclass shooters now? I mean uh, – Cardenas is a GM, and uh, he's, yeah. right, he's right on Raiders' heels. Like, yeah, so – I mean, we weren't getting that whenever we first started the USPSA team. You know, we weren't, we were getting high, like skilled shooters, but we weren't at the master and GM level. Yeah, that's, that's important to call out. And it's also important to call out that these guys are, I don't think they're anywhere close to their ceilings. Mm -hmm. Like with the work ethic and the character that they have there's a lot more potential in their shooting careers that has yet to be untapped. Um, I told, I told Sam and Josh this when they went to the team, I'm excited to see where you guys go. And I'll say the same about Austin Hill. Yeah. I'd, I, I'm really excited to see uh, where he finishes out at nationals because 
that's just the start because he's going to go nowhere but up from there. Yeah, exactly. But thanks, uh, thanks for tuning in. We hope you really enjoy this episode, and Austin gives some really good insight on his experiences so far and some really good information to how you can improve yourself as a as a shooter. Yep. Give me a nod when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 3G IQ podcast. I'm joined here today with my co-host, Frank Gal, and our special guest, Austin Hill. Austin Hill started out in 3rd Battalion, 3rd Marines out in Hawaii as an 0352 anti-tank missileman. He then went to MCRD Paris Island, where he was on the Paris Island shooting team. And then from there, he came over to the Marine Corps shooting team, where he's serving as the head coach to the Marine Corps rifle team. Austin, if you could, please go ahead. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, some of the, the accolades you've had, and your path to the team. Uh, first, uh, thank you, gentlemen, for letting me uh, come on here. It's definitely uh, it's definitely an honor to be on here with you guys, such as yourself. Uh, listening to your podcast the last few months, just been super stoked to, to get involved with this. But, uh, yeah, so I was born originally in Greenville, North Carolina. It's a city everybody knows, East Carolina University out there if you've been to Lejeune you've probably been to ECU on the weekends tearing it up uh I'm actually from like a little spot right outside of there called Grimesland population of like maybe a thousand people um my first unit was third battalion third marine so after I went to SOI in Lejeune you know I was really banking on being stationed close to home and Marine Corps saw fit to send me somewhere else cost them a lot more money to send me halfway across the world but uh first four years I spent out there in K-Bay it was a great time uh, did a lot of field ops out to uh, out in the jungle there, you know, a couple UDPs out to Okinawa, but overall just had a pretty good time there. So I saw fit. I wanted to reenlist uh, from Hawaii, moved out to uh, Paris Island down in South Carolina, a lot more closer to home and started as what they call black shirt instructor, uh, teaching recruits on like uh, simple field craft tasks, you know, formations, how to communicate, how to move around at nighttime. Uh, nothing too serious, but doing that for a few months, I was able to move on to uh, the CMC schoolhouse, which is really where my marksmanship journey started. Um, I started teaching CMC in 2000 and late 2019. Uh, taught a few courses as like the bottom tier instructor, you know, kind of sweeping floors, vacuuming, maybe doing a couple of, uh, of classes and teach backs at the end of the day and uh, slowly worked my way up to start learning that craft a little bit more. So um, the marksmanship journey really started there for me. Um, it's where I kind of felt that I learned that shooting was going to be the thing that I was going to do the rest of my life. And after a few months, was able to teach some more courses and move on to the shooting team <clears throat> where, uh, where that kind of bring me to where I'm at now. All right. So before I start the legitimate questions and everything, I, I do have a question that came up because you are an 0352. And like with 0352s, 
they generally fit two molds and I can't seem to pinpoint which mold you are. You know, when I grew up through the infantry, it was either surfer dude or total fucking nerd. Which one <laughs> are you? <laughs> I mean, um, you, you spent time out in K-Bay, so, you know, I'd like to lean towards surfer dude. So uh, I actually cannot surf at all. I spent four years in Hawaii and never learned how to do it. Um, when I came into the Marine Corps, I wasn't a really strong swimmer. I mean, of course, I passed swim fall, but that's not exactly like showing that you're you're uh, amphibious, as, so, as people like to say. So uh, I never got to surf out there. I I like to think that I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to some things, you know, maybe around like marksmanship or uh, cars or like the outdoors. But um, I don't really fit that whole, you know, put your finger in the center of your glasses, put it up on your nose kind of nerd vibe. Um, I like to think I'm kind of the best of both worlds on that one. Just kind of, you know, happy-go-lucky sometimes, but knowledgeable when it counts. All right. Sounds good to me. All right, so we're halfway through this summer season. We've already done inner service, been to a couple other matches. Uh, what was it? The Oak, uh, Oak, Oak Ridge, Wood, yeah. Oak Ridge. Um, you did uh, Camp Butner. Um, so you, the, the rifle team's had a few matches under its belt already. Um, can you give us a quick recap of the summer season so far and – as the rifle team moves into nationals, how are we doing? Okay. Um, overall, just want to say that um, I'm super proud of the guys that we have. Uh, recently, we were uh, we cut our team in half uh, for you know a few reasons. You know, some people had to part ways and go to uh, go back to their units to get back on with their career. So you know, we were super thankful for the time we had with those guys. But overall, the guys that we were able to pick this year, uh, just absolute studs. Um, all of them came into this, uh, into what we're doing now into this season with, uh, like the most amount of experience an individual have with high power was the two days we shot at championships. And we vetted these dudes, talked to them about their performance overall. Um, and if they wanted to come to the team to be able to augment our summer team for the, uh, for precision rifle. And those guys, I mean, just, just took it with a grain of salt. They were like, we're about it. We want to learn. We want to get better. Everybody has a great attitude. And high power is one of those sports that, you know, you either love it or you hate it, one or the other. And a lot of people tend to hate it. So when we pull these guys over and they're about grinding and trying to get better, it just it speaks volumes about their character. So our, our big thing this year was when we were building our team is we wanted guys to be uh, disciplined. So we're really trying to bring it back to that whole Marine concept because in this sport, discipline's pretty much everything. You know, if you let your focus falter for a second, you miss a shot. If you let uh, if you let your gear get out of whack or if you don't write down your notes, you miss a shot. Like it's it's a super precise sport. And there's a reason why people dedicate their whole life to it. It's, it can be hard at times and it's mentally taxing because you're outside on the range, you know, very hot days all the time. You know, 95 percent heat up here in Quantico or 95 degree heat here in Quantico with 95 percent humidity. And we're out there all day grinding. So these guys are really getting after it this, uh, this season. We've had a couple of competitions like you were talking about earlier, um, Oak Ridge and Camp Butner, especially Camp Butner was our first one that we went to. That was the real first, uh, we had called a trial by fire for these kids about three weeks in, they were, they were ready to get after it. So we drove all the way up to, to Staten, North Carolina and competed against the army marksmanship unit. And some of our guys with that very limited experience, uh, we're giving those AMU cats a run for their money. So we were super proud to have them up there. And, uh, you know, being away from the from the home base is definitely um, 
it can be a good time. So we like to be able to to branch out and really see what these guys are all about and have that pressure kind of drop off of them while, as they leave the base. Hey, so I kind of have a question for you. Um, like this is your first season on the Marine Corps shooting team itself. Um, and legitimately your first season as the coach as well. But during championships, for those who don't know, whenever we're at Marine Corps championships, we interview every single person that is coming uh, that we want to bring onto the team that we want to have augmented to the team. And you sat in there and what did you ask each person uh, that you interviewed? Oh, there's a lot of questions that went down. I think um, I think one of the big ones that I asked them was are you going to be able to perform under pressure? Because a lot of Marines, at least since I've been in the, in the competitive marksmanship world the last year, um, you get introduced to the shot timer. And, you know, everybody that's probably listening to this podcast is, you know, 100% introduced to the shot timer. They know what it does to you. You can have a gigantic plan prior to a stage, and then that shot timer goes off and the plan goes out the window. So with these guys, we don't necessarily have that exact same, uh, you know, shot timer to blackout type deal um, with these guys. When you show up in the morning, you know, you may be in a good headspace, get your gear on, you get up to the line, you put the rifle on your shoulder, you take a shot and then the target comes back up and that shot's not where you wanted it. And it just took you out of the metal standings. So the first shot out of your gun just ruined your entire day. You can't win from here on. So now you're just grinding against yourself the rest of the day. So that being able to perform under pressure, uh, was a big one for us, as well as um, we need good character of individuals on our team. So asking about, you know, how do you interact with other people? Um, do other people have positive things to say about you? You know, championships, how, how did you like this person over another? I didn't really try to pin people against each other, but I did like to ask, um, you know, how did you view another individual that I may or may not have been looking at just to see how they talk about people when they're not in the room? So um, two big ones was being able to perform under pressure and then also the overall character of the individual. And uh, I mean, one of the key things I think you said in that interview was I am building a championship team. And I would have to say with those two things that you bring right there, that goes hand in hand with wanting to build that championship team, being able to perform under pressure and having good character, putting those things together with hard work and determination and skill you you'll you'll have your championship team now it's just time oh 100 and uh I'm, I'm glad you bring that up the uh the championship mindset that we're trying to foster here is is something that um it may be new to me as the rifle team coach but it's not new to this team um the marine the marine corps shooting team has been trying to do this or has been successfully doing this for decades we take marines from the fleet with little to, to no marksmanship experience competitively and we bring them into the fold and we train them. We give them, uh, we give them the best equipment that money can buy, the best ammo money can buy, and the best people around them that we can get. And we try to make them as best as we can in three months, something that it takes, you know, civilians a lifetime to achieve. Or uh, you look at the Army Marksmanship Unit, they take these guys and they have them for their entire career. We're trying to achieve it in three months. So every day is a grind. So we need to pick those good guys from the beginning. If you have, you know, a, a poor crop from the beginning, your harvest is going to be bad. But if you continue to pick the right guys, it's going to be that much easier 
to get your mission or to get your mission taken care of by the end of that three month season. So I'm glad you bring up the championship mindset, Jimmy. Absolutely. Austin, what uh, what skill sets and high power rifle would you say helped your transition to action shooting? And then ever since you started action shooting, what are some things that you learned there that maybe you brought back to high power rifle have helped there? Oh boy. Um, so uh, it took me a long time to learn this teaching marksmanship, but arguably somebody can correct me if they think I'm wrong. The two most important fundamentals that you have are trigger control and side alignment. If you could only do two fundamentals, those would be the two that you would pick. You would want to be able to manipulate the trigger straight back to the rear so that you do not disturb your sights that are aligned on target. And that's the two big things that high power takes care of. Yeah, we have a jacket, we have a sling, we have a heavy rifle, we have a cart, you know, you have all of these items. But if you cannot perform side alignment and, if, and you cannot perform trigger control, you will not hit the direct or the precise aiming point of the target that you're going for. So I've always uh, tried to make sure that I perform those two tasks very well. It's kind of carried over into action shooting. Um, you have a lot of dynamic movement. There's a lot of thinking that's involved. It's very uh, speed oriented, but you also have to have accuracy. So if you lack uh, those two fundamentals, action shooting is going to be, it might look sexy, but it'll be very difficult to win anything. Well, the way I kind of look at it whenever it comes to action shooting, and you're absolutely right, if you don't like for pistol, rifle, whatever it is in action shooting, if you don't have your uh, trigger control and your sight alignment, and those aren't ingrained in every fiber of your body, and then with pistol, your grip, if you don't have those under control to where it's just muscle memory, then you're going to fail. Like every Those elements of shooting should be second nature and should be subconscious. In action shooting, it should be the movement that you're worried about. Where am I going next? It should be like, that's what's programmed into you. Oh, 100%. So since you've come to the team uh, up until now, what's changed in the way uh, you view shooting? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so shooting in, in, in a nutshell is a giant rabbit hole that when you take the first step into, you don't see how deep it is until you're like a year into the journey like I am. So I started shooting uh, competitively in March of last year. Uh, Mick McEast was my first one in 2021. Um, so being a CMC instructor in the Marine Corps, there's this uh, ego and pride that goes along with it that you think you know everything. And then I got to the competition and the first couple of days, you're seeing people from all walks of life in the Marine Corps training. So, you know, you got guys that have the only shooting they ever do is back then the ART, right? And then you have guys like the team dudes that I know now that have just been going balls to the wall for years, but even before they joined the Marine Corps and competitive marksmanship. So you're exposed to all of this at one time. And it was a rude awakening for me, let me tell you. Um, I think I ended up with a bronze medal, but like looking at the studs that were above me was just absolutely ridiculous. The gap between me and first place. And that kind of goes into what you're asking. Like it's been eye-opening from when I first started seeing, seeing just the progression I've made in the last year um, is crazy because this is like, what's in my mind right now is like where I thought I was last year. And I wasn't even close to being here. 
And then I'm still getting beat on a routine basis. Like before we started this, like we were talking about that USPSA match or uh, Frank was, I got toasted at that match. And I've been working pistol like solid for like a year and I still do stupid things wrong. So it's, it's like that rabbit hole is just always, always getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And so like that just keeps me going to make me want to do more and more training to get better and better at shooting. Not to make you feel any worse about yourself, but uh, most of the action pistol team was also Western PA. So oh. uh, you know, this last weekend probably could have been a lot worse. What's funny um, is uh, I made that comment to uh, Castro, one of my summer shooters, uh, when we were there. And I was like, if this is the time to get him or the time to get a medal is right now because all of the pistol guys are gone. <laughs> I, you know, I, I kind of have to, you know, when when you were talking about your the beginning of your journey, uh and talking about how you were a CMC and you're like, I know everything. It, it, it's really funny how that happens because, you know, nothing against like CMC, CMT, um, you know, they don't live, breathe marksmanship the way we do. Right. We, we take everything in and we just run with it. Um, we live it. We breathe it. We sleep it. It's our life. It's a livelihood for us. Um, it's not just a casual hobby. It's not just a job. It's a lifestyle for us. And, you know, I'm sure whenever you first became a CMC, it was like you were taught all this information. You thought everything that you were taught was pure and everything you did teach was right. It was just a way. It wasn't the way. There are many ways. And, all right. and, and so, um, whenever you go down the rabbit hole of shooting, you learn of every way and you just, your, your mind is blown by the end of it. You know, after a few months, like there's just so much, I don't know. And I just want to keep learning more. Right. hundred percent. Now I will, I will say one thing that I have been taught that was completely wrong. And uh, I just want to let your viewers know this in case they didn't already know, but when gun companies manufacture barrels, they don't cut the bore at an angle so that the bullet jumps up when it leaves the muzzle. So um, <laughs> obviously that's a joke, right? Everybody knows that. But I sat in the back of a classroom um, when I got to C the CMC schoolhouse and an individual was teaching that to students. Mm. Like that FN, the, you know, the Fabric Nacional was cutting bores at an angle so that the round would rise to the line of sight. Oh my God. So that's one of the earliest memories that I have of, of marksmanship in the Marine Corps being taught that way. And that just absolutely activated me to want to do better. Cause that is just, that's just unacceptable. That's yeah. uh, that's interesting. For a professional organization that prides itself on its rifle heritage. Yeah, absolutely unacceptable. Right. And that's um, not a jab at the Marine Corps at all. That's, you know, that's the people that's in it. So if you're misinformed and you're teaching people, let this, you know, let this be a warning to you. You are changing people's lives. So make sure that you're doing it the right way. This actually segues well into our next question. So you've served at a Victor unit. You served at Paris Island, both on the shooting team, training recruits. Now you're coaching the shooting team. So we'll start with Paris Island. Um, what do you think needs to change, if anything? If it's if it's meeting the mark, then so be it. But if it isn't, then what needs to change about marksmanship instruction at entry level training? Well, um, the 
so there, there are two big things or two big fronts you can attack this from. One is the individuals uh, that are teaching and two is the subject matter that you're teaching. Um, the Marine Corps for a very long time has done a very good job of taking an individual who knows absolutely little to nothing about marksmanship and getting them to the point of where they are safe and mildly effective with a firearm. Um, and that's kind of been my journey like the last three years has been trying to figure this out. So um, you take a civilian who may or may not have ever fired a rifle. You give them the basic instruction on, you know, common factors of a shooting position, the different types of shooting positions, fundamentals, um, how the weapon operates, a mild ballistics class. And then they're able to essentially do the two things that we talked about earlier. They're able to align the sights and control the trigger, which is a perfect baseline. Um, but we don't get enough time in recruit training with these kids to make them what I would say would be acceptable uh, to go to the fleet. Now, uh, something I have been hearing about a lot lately is this new uh, AMTP program, like going into that area. Uh, that seems to be doing very well. And I don't know how deep we want to get into that, but that seems to be doing very well for the operating forces. But as far as recruit training is concerned, uh, we only get them for two weeks. And one week of that is grass week. So for anybody that doesn't know, grass week is where you take a 55-gallon drum. It's got a bunch of targets painted on it. And you sit it in the middle of a, a big open field and everybody sits around it and they get in a shooting position and they aim and dry fire. And they do that for hours at a time. I mean, sometimes these kids are sitting around this circle for eight hours. And a PMI is walking around correcting the position, talking to them a little bit more about uh, some more in-depth stuff about marksmanship or how to correct the deficiencies that they're having trouble with. And then they also sit inside of a small outdoor classroom that we call the sheds where they have a chalkboard and they teach them like the basic classes that every Marine gets when he comes in. Um, that two week thing is really holding us back. And I know it's a, I know it's all monetary based or financially based. Um, but in order for us to be able to move on to more advanced things, uh, that we want to teach these young men and women, uh, we need to make sure that we get more time first. Um, as soon as we get that time, then we're going to be able to make uh, better instructors for them to fill that time with more instruction or better instruction, better quality instruction. Uh, some of the PMIs that I served with down at Paris Island, those guys are absolutely uh, lights out, just great, great people, great Marines. Um, and they know a lot about their craft, but no one, no one Marine knows everything. So it's up to us as I guess, quote unquote, subject matter experts to be spreading that gospel between us to make sure that everybody knows that was something I tried to do and something that the team is trying to do actively right now down in Paris Island to get those uh, PMIs more information uh, or better information to teach those recruits. So if I can narrow it down to two things, I would say let's get uh, more training for the instructors and let's get more time for the recruits to be able to focus on it. And uh, that time needs to be live fire. Is there... Is there an initiative with the Paris Island shooting team trying to get those PMIs more involved in like competition style shooting? Because in for, for my money, that's the best way to validate if they do have that high level understanding of shooting like you were talking about. Um, it's it's uh, it's active like they are they are trying to do it. But obviously, uh, recruit training is a very time based thing. Um, so those guys are out there from sunup to sundown uh, every day trying to teach these kids as, as much as they can. So they don't get a whole lot of downtime to be able to sit in a classroom and learn more. Um, something I was trying to do as I was leaving is uh, Monday, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I would try to get the guys into my CMC classroom when we were down and try to give them, you know, uh, an hour and a half to two hour block on whatever subject matter they want to learn, uh, whether that be a little bit more in-depth look at ballistics or uh, reloading or, you know, just anything about ammunition that they wanted to know. 
things that the Marine Corps doesn't typically teach. Um, I tried to do as much as I could to get those guys information. It's not me teaching them things to make them smarter. It's me teaching them things to make them question more. Like, oh, that sounds interesting. Let me go research that some more and learn some more about marksmanship, you know, as a, you know, second echelon effect. Or, oh, ballistics, this doesn't agree with what I learned in CMC. Let me go do some more research and see uh, what's wrong or what needs to be updated. Yeah, um, two of the concepts that you t- I th- honestly, I think uh, two of the things I learned most about getting into shooting are building my own AR and then getting into reloading. That covers a lot of the basics, like the functionality of your rifle. Um, reloading gets you a little bit into the ballistics, but also understanding of how the components interact, which then understanding how your ammunition and your rifles put together allows you to diagnose issues as well, right? Right. So yeah, those are really easy hip pocket classes and there's so much content online aimed at those two particular uh, topics. So, okay. Talked a little bit about Paris Islands. Uh, and I would agree, you know, there, there's, there's a recruit graduation every Friday. And like you said, very time-based um, they have to hit the objectives. They have to do it at a certain like time limit. And there's not really time for discovery learning, which is how you would get people better along with coaching. What about the fleet? What do you think can be done to, bring those marksmanship fundamentals to Marines in the fleet? Oh, so um, that's another one that is time and finance based. It's, it's kind of, I'm going to say sad, but it's not sad. Like in me jabbing at the fleet, it's sad because that's just the way it is. Um, Commanders are given a very, very, very heavy task. And that's to, you know, keep young men and women alive in combat. And that's a lot of responsibility. And that responsibility is spread among, you know, hundreds of different task scenarios. It's, it's insane the amount of things that, let's just say a battalion commander has to take care of. You know, they have a lot of people under their charge and a lot of people to, to do certain jobs for them, but ultimately it's their responsibility. And marksmanship, uh, I'm glad you asked this. Marksmanship is, is uh, like, Cap, or like Captain Williams said it to me the other day, is like 2 to 5% of the mission. Um, arguably, from my perspective, it's the most important 2 to 5% of the mission, but... Um, it's just one of those things that they don't necessarily have all this time for. So I would definitely say if I was in the shoes of battalion commander running a battalion, I would put more, put forth more effort for marksmanship. So every day, you know, after PT, if that means that we're going to the armory and we're drawing a weapon, like a pistol, a rifle, a machine gun, and we're dry firing for 30 minutes, then so be it. Um, if that means that, you know, once a week we are going to the range to be able to facilitate some sort of short bay training. Or if we have a live fire shoot house close to where we are at, uh, going in there and working CQB, if that means that we're just going to the, the pistol range and working on CPP at 25 yards, then so be it. Trigger time, trigger time, trigger time. The more you can get, the better. Because we look at it from a perspective of what we do is, as competitive marksmen is that's kind of an inherent task that already gets taken care of. We know we need to shoot. But that's because we've been introduced to this world. Like we know what it takes to get to the next level. Me, a year and a half ago, I did not know that. I didn't know that shooting every day and dry firing every day was going to make me that much better. So it's kind of like that, that old adage, you don't know what you don't know. A lot of Marines right now are, are encountering that. So in the fleet, like those guys need to be drawing their rifles, you know, two to three times a week. They need to be snapping in. We need to be working barriers. So, 
you know, taking the ARQ barrier or whatever their supported firing position we want to utilize and figuring out what the quickest and most efficient way is to get from point A to point B. We need to be doing that with uh, full gear on, with, uh, you know, simulated ammo loadouts to make sure we have the weight. You need to be working on transition between your primary and your sidearm. You need to be able to make sure that when you're doing that, your gear's not getting in the way. Because a lot of what we do is just, we sit around until we get told what to do. And then we go to the field and we don't particularly work for the right things. So as an infantry or as an infantryman, like your gear, you rely a lot on that. I mean, you also rely on like what's in between your ears all the time, but like your gear can save your life. So being able to track, uh, practice body armor on, being able to practice with radios, you know, um, your backpack with simulated ammo loadout, you know, water, chow, having all of those things on you to make sure that one, you can hold the weight. Two, it's not getting in the way when you're trying to, you know, transition between your right shoulder and your left shoulder. Or when you sling your rifle, your side sappies aren't hitting your pistol in the back of the slide. You can't get the gun out of the holster. Like these things need to be taken care of. And that's just step one of like dry fire and figuring out if your gear works. The next thing is like understanding the differences between the RCO and the SCO. I heard stories when I got to the team about uh, CMCs are teaching Marines that they need to hold five mils down at the 500 yard line during ARQ because they don't understand the difference between a mil dot reticle or a mil line reticle and a bullet drop compensator. That's unacceptable. And it's not because they're actively trying to make the Marine Corps worse. It's just because they don't know. And that's where we come into play. The individuals with the knowledge. So like, that's why we have Nick mix. That's why we have MTTs. That's why we run AMTP to teach these tasks uh, to the operating forces, because at the end of the day, like, yeah, we're trigger pullers, but we're not doing it in real life. The operating forces, you know, your Victor units, uh, the guys attached to them, the wing, all the people that are actually forward deployed are doing this job. They may not be doing it now. You may be on a UDP, like, but some, at some point, the flag's going to go up. And what you know now, or what you know at that moment is all you're going to get. So if you're not actively seeking out to become better at marksmanship, then you're just holding yourself back and you're failing your, your people to your left and right. Because at the end of the day, it's what it's all about. It's about coming home. And if you can't do that, then what use are you as a Marine? So I, I, I was going to ask a question, but you kind of hit everything. Um, so what, what I will say about that is, you know, me being an infantryman, you know, there's an art and then there's a science. The art is all the tactics that are involved into enveloping, attacking, you know, and killing the enemy. Every right. that's that's the creative aspect of everything that we do as infantrymen. Then there's the science behind it, which the science behind it is the harder part, being able to actively engage and hit what you're shooting at being able to understand what you're seeing in your in your optic to hit the target understanding the ballistics of the rifle and what that bullet's going to do at what distance um those are the arts and the sciences that that really meld together or uh and and just you know create the havoc of what we do on the battlefield um and you're absolutely right. Like I got into competitive shooting because I wanted to become a better infantryman. I wanted to be able to take the skills that I learned in competition and then transition them over to my Marines 
and make them even more lethal. And I mean, that's, you know, that's once your time on the team is up, you know, I see you staying in the Marine Corps. I see you having a long, successful career. And at that point, it that is your job. Everything that you said that they have to do, going to the armory, you know, dry firing, um, going to the range more, you know, whether you're a platoon sergeant or your company guns, that is your position now. That is what you have to do whenever you get out to the fleet. And that's how you have to advise your commander. And that's what all Marines that take up that platoon sergeant in that company gunning position have to do. They have to advise their commander on there has to be that perfect balance between the tactics and then the marksmanship. Oh, hundred percent. And, uh, and that's, you know, and that's where I kind of struggle to get, to get that opinion across is because as the Marine Corps shooting team, it's not our job to teach tactics. You know, I may be an infantryman. I may have infantrymen on my team. We may have the entire Marine Corps shooting team may be comprised of 0300 or 03XX infantry, but it's not our job to teach tactics. We hit oh, them absolutely. On- yeah, you're our- absolutely right. Like when people come out and it's like, hey, can we do this or can we do that? Can we, can we clear rooms? Can you show us how you, how you clear rooms? No, that's not what we're here to teach you. We're teach you how to we're, we're going to teach you how to engage the enemy. We're going to teach you how to shoot the enemy. We're not going to teach you the tactics behind it, because right now with what we're doing, that is not our job. We're going to teach you how to be more efficient with the gear that you currently have. Right. A hundred percent. And, and that's, I think the I think that's why we have such a disconnect in the infantry with marksmanship is either one, you're romantically involved with the machine gun. So you have accuracy by volume. Mm-hmm. First round impacts are, you know, very, you know, that's a very uh, sought after thing with machine gunners, but you also have, you know, the rest of that belt to make that happen. And then two, we have like the sexiness of tactics. So how everybody can tell you a million different ways to make entry into a room. They can tell you a million different ways of how to clear a stairwell. They can tell you a million different ways of bouncing between on from one side of a danger zone to another. But when it comes to the marksmanship where the, you know, where the iron meets meat, you have to actually have a skill set to do those things. Mm-hmm. To, to, hold a, to hold a rifle steady under pressure when you're exhausted, to squeeze your trigger to the rear and make sure a round goes where it's supposed to go. We're not talking just short distances. We're talking three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred meters. You know, distances where the human body becomes very small. Mm-hmm. You have to hold the rifle there the entire time. You have to breathe properly. You have to have a clear picture um, inside of your optic. You have to have you know shrewd uh, grip on your pistol grip or on the grip module of your pistol. Like everything has to be locked in, ready to go. That's where individuals struggle, and I think that's why. Uh, at least my peer group pushes it to the wayside um, because that's, it's a hard thing to do and it takes training and it takes practice. You don't just get to read a book and know it. You don't just get to do, you know, a rock walk a couple of times and know it. Like you have to practice day in and day out. Um, and that's what makes me fall or that's what made me fall in love with marksmanship was you, it's just, it's like a girlfriend. You got to call her every day because if you don't, she's going to find somebody else. So I, I you know, you kind of, reminds me of something I learned shoot 10, 11 years ago. And it's not that I learned it. It's just a kind of, it, it was formally said at this point and it makes total sense. I had this gunner and uh, you know, he was like, 
he, he asked people what suppression was and, you know, he, he was looking for an obvious answer, you know, that way he could correct it. And, you know, most people answer that suppression is just getting the enemy's heads down. You know, that's not the textbook definition, but essentially that's what, you know, that's what he was looking for. And people said that and he was like, no, you're absolutely fucking wrong. <laughs> suppression is shooting the enemy in the head, putting blood and brain matter on the ground and stopping them from firing anymore. That is what accurate suppression is. And you got to be able to hit your target in order to do that. Oh, hundred percent. And I mean, that's, you can, you can look at it from a textbook perspective of what you're talking about. Oh, you know, suppression is, you know, placing around within 36 inches of the enemy in order to keep their heads down or in order to keep them from moving from one position to another. But realistically suppression is if they can't shoot you, then they're suppressed. So if you you kill them, they are now ineffective at shooting you. So let's look at it from that perspective. And I wish everybody shared that same sentiment um, across the Marine Corps as far as marksmanship is concerned is like the end state. Yeah. We shoot steel targets. Yeah. We shoot marathon targets. Yeah. We shoot paper. But at some point there's going to be somebody on the other end of that glass. So you better be really good at what you're doing or they're going to make you pay. Well, it kind of comes back down to is what we are shooting at are just training aids to get better. You build that muscle memory, you build that natural instinct in you, and you build that ability to just react to what you're seeing on the ground. And everything that you've trained to up to that point is going to kick in and you're just going to perform it automatically. That's when you know you've been properly trained. hundred percent. Like every, if you're hearing this, you should be wanting to train your Marines to that, to that level. I mean, you, one, you should expect it from yourself, but you should also want to expect it from the Marines in your platoon, your squad, your team, your company, your battalion. So we've kind of gone down into a long rabbit hole of infantry and, and, and that kind of stuff, which I, I love talking. Uh, it, it's always, it always makes a good conversation. Um, but we're going to kind of shift focus here a bit and uh, kind of go back to you and, uh, you know, things that you want to do. So I'm going to go back to what are some of the goals that you have while you're going to be here on the Marine Corps shooting team? Well, um, the first thing that I want to do is I want to make sure that um, everybody that I'm involved with here, um, I do something to make them better. Now, that's not talking from this high pedestal like I'm so good. Um, I have, I'm a firm believer that everybody on the, the team that we have now has something to give to everybody else. So I just hope that before I leave here, I'm able to help um, every single person that's here as much as I can uh, to make them better because it goes back to like what we were talking about you got to be able to help your boys to your left and your right. Um, as far as personal goals are concerned, uh, two ones, pistol distinguished and gold lock. I was super stoked this year at championships, uh, getting after it, but just barely missed that bad boy f- by a couple points because uh, I was personally victimized by Chris Scott. I hope you hear this, um, but I am coming back with a vengeance next year. Yeah, but you don't have to worry because he's going to be out of the Marine Corps. I am going to just uh, whatever I can do to set records or or to make him look like he was nothing. I'm going to do it. <laughs> that's uh, I'm calling that, you out. <laughs> that's good. That's a tough goal to accomplish. <laughs> now, realistically, though, I mean, uh, he's an absolute great shooter. So that's a, definitely a standard 
uh, by which I want to hold myself by. I want to I want to be at that level of shooting uh, personally. So I think uh, the first thing that stand, kind of stands in my way is uh, being distinguished with pistol, but then um, trying to get as good as I can um, overall in the big scheme of things to kind of uh, to make my abilities a lot better. I need to train a lot more pistol, especially. Um, so I'm I'm almost there as far as uh, as rifle is concerned, where I think I need to be. But pistol wise, I am just chasing it. It's the bane of my existence right now. I have to say that's a beautiful sentiment to have because like uh, talking to like Go King, Ariano, some uh, those two specifically, um, you know, with Captain Scott kind of gone and everything and everybody needs their heroes. And he's kind of, he, he is a hero to a lot of people and, and his abilities uh, on the team. Um, and I think that's a le- legacy that will last a long time, at least in the, in the near term with him just recently departing. Um, but everybody's like, who's going to take up his mantle? Who's going to be the next captain Scott? And it's a beautiful thing because, you know, people are so passionate, you know, that they, they love this team so much and they just want to make sure that the reputation of the team stands to where it is. You know, the, the coolest thing was like, you know, I'd go to a match and, you know, people would come up to me and they'd be like, is Captain Scott here at this match? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, why? Son of a bitch, he's going to win it. Because they're like, <laughs> but and that's cool. You know, you, you come to a match and people know that we're there. And, you know, it, it's great that you have this goal that you want to be at this level because it's just carrying on the legacy of somebody that had a lot of valuable impact on the team. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, just a few interactions with him, you know, small talk here and there. I remember when he was on the team last year, I was, as I was putting my package in, I was always asking, bugging him, just asking questions about how to do this package. He was probably irritated uh, listening to me talk, but I definitely, um, every time he spoke, I, I shut my mouth and I listened uh, to what he had to say about, about shooting because he's just, he's just one of those guys, his reputation precedes him. You know, he's a very good shooter, very humble person, very knowledgeable uh, just a good Marine, just a good guy. And uh, I kind of felt honored to get, uh, to get beat by him this year. It's definitely, it's definitely a cool, a cool vibe to get because uh, seeing him, seeing him out there, it's just watching him shoot. It's just you're in awe the whole time, the speed, the, the accuracy in which he does it, efficiency in which he moves um, and the way he conducts himself afterwards. It's just, it's awesome. I remember uh, last year we were at Wisconsin and it was one specific stage. It was the last stage we were shooting at the, uh, at the match. And there were 21 pieces of steel out there. And the way he moved, the way he stage planned the whole thing, because it wasn't just, you know, stand and shoot and deliver 21 shots. It was moving from position to position and the flawless movement and accuracy in which he delivered it at. It looked like he was going slow but there's nothing slow about it. And just his accuracy going one for one on each piece of steel in multiple different positions. That's impressive. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, the, I mean, you could talk about it for hours, but he's just a, he's just a, you know, stand-up guy, a great shooter, um, just very accurate, but efficient at the same time. And, you know, super humble and will tell, like literally talk to people and tell people, 
um, how to how to complete a stage, what the best way to do it is. Um, and then, I mean, I just wish him all the best of luck getting out. I think he's going to be okay, and I have a feeling we haven't heard the last of Chris Scott. He's going to come back at some point and humble us all. Oh, yeah. um, let's talk about your journey over the last year, Austin. So you mentioned it yourself, bronze medal in 2021, East. Coming back uh, for 2020, 2022, East, you, you took the high overall for rifle, um, and then you did outstanding at championships. So what, I mean, I, I assume that, you know, you and I had similar trajectories. We shot at East. We saw the heat that was out there we realized how much work we needed to put in. So was that immediate for you? Did you immediately go back and start seeking out knowledge and then starting a uh, practice regimen? Um, I remember you guys, you know, we, we were at Camp Upshur at the time. You and another Paris Island shooting team guys, you hooligans, um, <laughs> you're asking me about how to get into USPSA. So how did that all come together? Because honestly, you definitely put a lot of it to practice. You've gotten a lot better. Um, so... Uh, thank, thank you, first off, but um, starting at East last year, um, that was my first competition I've ever been to. Uh, it was the first one with uh, Paris Island as well. So going there, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, and like you said, when you get there, the heat's on. Like, East is where the guys are at. And they're all coming with a vengeance every single year looking for that first spot. So the fact that I even got a medal, I think, was absolute straight luck. Um then moving, you know, into championships that year, um, whatever luck I had was completely expended there because I got absolutely stomped at championships. And, uh, but I did get lucky enough to where the team asked me to stay for the summer season. And I think that's really where the difference started was, you know, somebody, somebody took an interest and took a chance on me and allowed me to, to get really get uh, down and dirty with it in practice. So I was on the rifle team last year as a summer augment. Um, I struggled a lot throughout the season. I, I have a really addictive personality. So when I find something that I, I want to do, uh, I go for it and I keep doing it like into the wee hours in the night. So the, the high power uh, shooting up there was definitely something that was right up my alley. Um, I didn't do too well. I mean, I got a, I think I had, you know, one medal while I was doing that, but um, what I really took to was ITT, the infantry trophy team. Um, that was something that, when I heard about it, I thought it was pretty cool. So for anybody that doesn't know, if you trophy team is fired at 600, 500, 300 yards, um, it's essentially a 50-second rapid fire at each yard line where you can fire as many rounds as you want uh, from a grand total of 384 rounds for a six-man team. And uh, at 600 yards, you're firing a, you know, a B-mod-sized target, and you get 50 seconds to fire as many rounds as you can. The only thing that counts is hits. Misses don't get marked, none of that. You don't get you know four points versus five points. Um, you either get the full value of points or you get nothing. So the, the speed and intensity in which, you know, a sport like that is not very intense, but the speed and intensity at which that is going uh, definitely piqued my interest. And I was lucky enough to be a coach by staff Sean Collier last year um, who, you know, kind of got, kind of got dealt a weird hand of cards and uh, played it to the best of his ability. And we ended up taking a, taking a win at inner service last year for ITT. So, um, you know, that, that big boost of, of confidence there from Staff Sergeant Collier definitely, uh, definitely helped me in my journey moving on. So, you know, after the summer season, I go back to, to PI and I'm, you know, I'm rewriting 
um, on a computer, like all of the POI and curriculum for CMC, like multiple times, we're just getting after it, trying to come up with the best information to teach our students. And the, the solace that I found while, you know, being on the computer all day, when I actually got some downtime was dry fire. Uh, whether that be throwing my belt on and, you know, throwing my gun in the holster and drawing and firing, you know, working transitions between multiple targets with a pistol, um, you know, drawing a rifle out of the armory or using one of my rifles with the sling on it, working transitions between primary and secondary, uh, transitioning between spots on a barrier. I was about it. There was just whatever I could do to get my mind off the computer. And uh, going into the, uh, the preseason at PI, uh, we had an intramural competition where we needed to uh, supplement our team a little bit more. So we picked some more guys, ran, uh, ran a CMC in conjunction with a one-week shooting competition and got some good guys out of it. At that point, uh, my package for the team was already in. So I was trying to make sure that I was going, I was sharpening my skills uh, to get better because I wanted to go to East and I wanted to show out. So um, I, uh, when we got to East, uh, we had some studs on our team. We ended, I think our whole team ended up taking like eight or nine medals home. Like that's awesome, especially for some first time shooters. Um, I'm of the, I'm of the school of thought. I like, I like competing with the absolute least amount of stuff possible. I don't like, uh, I don't like changing my gear to be more purpose oriented for the sport that I'm in. So even when I shoot like USPSA, I'm still rocking the same belt with the same active retention holster with the same mag pouches that I utilize um, in a duty setting. Um, I like to be able to train to that standard. So keeping in with that, I was like at East, we're going to use um, what Parasong uses M16s and RCOs. So I was all about it. I was like, I'm going to go to East and I'm going to clear house with this M16 and this RCO. And uh, the God shined upon me and I was able to do really well. Um, a lot of my guys were absolutely out there crushing it uh, with the, with the limited equipment that we have. So, um, that just goes to show that it's, you know, it's not about what you have. It's about what you do with it. Yeah. I'm thankful you did that too. Cause, uh, I actually used you as an example for a lot of my, uh, so I started a shooting team over at two make, uh, brought about 20 shooters out for make Mick East and, you know, they go out there and they see, they see the M 27s, they see SCOs and all that stuff. And they see everyone else shooting M 18s. Um, and it's just such a distraction. I, I think all of us know at this point, like, if, if you understand the fundamentals and you can apply them, it doesn't matter what weapon you're using. You're going to do well. And I was quick to point out that you, Austin, you take it first overall with a M16 RCO. And myself, I came in second with the Beretta. It didn't necessarily hold me back. And in many ways, <laughs> I preferred it. Right, 100%. And I mean, it, it. that's, I like seeing things like that. Like you, I mean, you are a USPSA issue, like tried and true. But that just means that you can take this subpar weapon and people with it. That's what we're trying to do in the Marine Corps. We're trying to take individuals who have little to no experience and give them equipment and teach them to be better. So if you can do that with a service weapon, that's just like, that's what we want. That's the standard you should be training towards. So I guess this is how I'm going to ask this question. So as history will show you, combat you know, evolves, you know, technology evolves. And the same goes with everything that we do, you know, since the Marine Corps has been around since 1901, technology and disciplines have evolved. 
there's been a lot of innovation. Um, so the question, where do you see the Marine Corps shooting team in the future while Ooh. you're still in the Marine Corps? While I'm still in, let's see. I guarantee you we'll still be shooting high power. Um, <laughs> the, the argument that I always hear get used uh, as far as the sport goes is um, it is the, you know, baseline assessment of fundamentals, which I, you know, I kind of, I kind of share the same sentiment, but I, I do imagine that um, as the sports progress, I'm not really, I wouldn't say that I'm like super into action shooting. I mean, I try to do stuff that's relevant uh, to my job. So I'm not sure what the next sport's going to be. Um, I definitely see the team having a, uh, a PR, a big PRS aspect where we start pulling from the fleet, maybe scout snipers or, you know, DMs from the fleet to come to the team to augment us on that. I think USPSA is going to be working strong. Maybe we'll be using like laser pistols or something. I'm not sure. Um, but three gun, I think, is going to be the thing that's going to end up uh, raining on top uh, just because of how the direction the Marine Corps is moving right now you know, wanting your, your Marine to be trained in multiple weapon systems and, and have that ability to, to reach out and touch somebody at every distance. So I think three guns going to end up being uh, that top dog um, as far as the team's disciplines are concerned. That's good to hear from my side of the story. <laughs> it's also another, uh, n- another reminder that I need to start shooting more three gun on that. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get there. Um, yeah, okay. So you've shot with a lot of different Marines. You've seen all, all variety of like skill sets. Um, we'll bring it back to the ITT. So you're a team member. You have three other guys that you can bring with you, guys and gals. Who do you, who do you bring and why? Uh, Staff Sergeant Collier, Chris Williams, and Shane Butler. Because, um, so as far as I'm concerned, Chris Williams and Shane Butler are two of the best shooters I've ever met in my entire life, period. Um, especially at the sport of high power. Those guys are absolute studs. Uh, Chris ended up getting out of the Marine Corps. I'm going to see him in nationals here in a couple of weeks. But uh, Shane Butler was uh, given a contract by the AMU to shoot for them for the rest of his career. And that speaks volumes about him. He is a great person, just a joy to be around, just a great dude. I could hang out with him and drink a beer on a Saturday and show up Monday morning and shoot with him all day. Um, and Staff Sergeant uh, Thomas Collier, uh, one of my best friends, um, when I got up here last year, um, he, he kind of took me under his wing and kind of taught me the ways. And then he t- ended up taking over the team about halfway through the season as the coach. And he was given, you know, given very little to be able to perform really well. And he's an absolute stud and took it and ran and got us one of the first ones we've gotten in about 15 years. But we also kind of share like, the same sentiments when it comes to uh, off work life. We love to fish, love to hunt, love to work on cars, but he is a beast at calling wind. I'm telling you, if you put dust out there, he'll tell you how fast it's going and where it's going because he, he is a, a master of his craft. And one of the crazy things that, that I remember seeing him do was at a thousand yards. Like I have little to no experience calling wind last year and at a thousand yards, he's looking through this pair of binoculars and the most wind I've ever seen inside of a spotting scope at this point was probably a minute and a half with a five, five, six round. So like not a whole lot speed wise. And he's at a thousand going, all right, go ahead and throw a four and three quarters on. And I'm say I'm just going, just having my mind going, how do you know it's that much? 
Like, where's the calculator at? What are you talking about? But, you know, sure enough, round the chamber, X right down the pipe. And you look at it and you're in awe of, of people like that. So if I could pick three other dudes, um, I would definitely exclude myself if I could. But three other guys, uh, Shane Butler, Chris Williams, and uh, Staff Sergeant Thomas Collier. That's my boy. Awesome. No, I miss those guys. Miss them a lot. Great people to be around. Uh, just like you said, overall good dudes. I, ho- I I wish them all the best in their future endeavors. Um, but while we wrap this up, is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um, yeah. So if you are on the fence or nervous or scared or, you know, anything about starting competitive shooting or about picking up a gun and, and starting to learn your craft, don't be, don't be. Um, I'm one of those guys that kind of, I can get super embarrassed if I'm not good at something. So I try not to do those things. That's something I work on uh, day in and day out, trying to push myself to get better. And that's kind of how I was before. I was in the competitive shooting world as far as shooting was concerned. I thought I was really good, but I would never really push myself out there to get spotted by anybody. And I am so glad that I made the jump and went because the shooting community has had some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And they've taught me so much on and off the field of competition. You know, you make some of the best friends that you'll ever have out here um, with me coming to the team. Like I've made some, I've made some lifelong friends here and then going into the shooting world, you network so much, you get to know so many people. And I would say in the Marine Corps, like that's a big part of your job is to network. So if you, uh, if you're listening to this and, and you're wanting to get into competitive shooting, um, contact the Marine Corps shooting team. I promise you anybody on that team will pick the phone up and they will answer whatever question you have. And don't be afraid to do, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, if you're in the fleet and you know, you're on the range or you're in the barracks, just chilling out on a Tuesday afternoon, go find your seniors, seek that information for marksmanship. You know, if you are, if you are wanting to get better as a Marine, as a shooter, you need to be seeking that information because I promise you somebody's going to have it. They're going to give it to you and it's going to make you a ton better. And it's just going to give you more aspects of your life uh, that you can go. No, I appreciate that. Um, Got to say, if somebody does answer the phone and they sound like an asshole, uh, one, it's not me, even though sometimes I could come off sounding like that, but no, it's just the guys playing fun. You know, every single person on that team is genuine. Uh, They're passionate. They care. Um, there are such things as stupid questions. So just, you know, <laughs> watch how you ask it. Uh, but no, they truly do want to help you. Um, and they're some of the best people that I know. So, uh, Austin, I appreciate you coming on here and doing this. Uh, it's been a pleasure listeners. If you have anything that you'd like, uh, to ask Austin in the future, uh, let us know. And if you have any questions for us, you know, just keep us informed. Let us know how we're doing. Appreciate you listening. Have a good one.